Joshua 6, 1 through 27. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men who were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city going about at once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. 
but Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time saying, "'Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates.' So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. Well, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. My name is Jim. Thanks for being here on this holiday weekend. That's quite a story. I mean, there is so much in that section of Scripture. In fact, when I was studying it, um, I was thinking, okay, let's see, I could... I could I could focus on, on the, the strategy for overtaking the land of, of Jericho. I, I, maybe I could talk about Rahab and, and the two spies. And uh, well, what about the, the, the Ark of the Covenant? And I mean, it's just filled with all kinds of things, but so, so important. There's a song that some of you may know called Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho. I thought maybe I'd get the worship team up. and <laughs> You know, it was, uh, Mahalia Jackson was made it famous. Uh, the the uh, Mormon Tabernacle Choir, an arrangement by Moses uh, Hogan, was pretty moving. But uh, probably my favorite, and yours too, is the one by Elvis Presley. Uh, I have that on uh, my Spotify and I play it every day. Uh, particularly in preparation for this message. Um, no, really, this story, this account of the Jewish people moving into the land that had been promised to them is, is filled with incredible insight. Here's what I want us to do today. I want us to kind of to, uh, rest on two tracks. One considering the particular of the passage, and then the principle. I'm gonna, I'll give you a rough outline here in a moment, but the particulars, here's what I mean by that. Every, every book of the Bible, every passage has particulars about it. In other words, it fits within a historic narrative. And you cannot remove it from that historic narrative. It, in fact, it gives to it a, a certain texture that gives even more a depth when you look at the passage. So we want to think about that, the particular. There's a particular event in history that is taking place here. But then there's the principle. Because underneath every passage of the Bible is a principle, and we've been focusing on one of those, which is one story, one hero. This is the sixth message in that series, so we're halfway done, and we're on the downhill side, looking forward to what's to come. If you want to take notes, or if you just want something to hang your thoughts on, here's what I want to deal with just this morning, and as I said, there's so much more we could do, but just these three things. First of all, the battles you and I fight. The battles that you and I fight. Secondly, the way we fight those battles. And third, the way God fights those battles for us. 
the battles we face, the way we fight those battles, and then the way God fights those battles for us. Okay? Okay, so first, let's take a look at what has happened thus far. The mantle of leadership has been transferred from Moses to Joshua. Joshua is one of two faithful spies of the 12 that went into the land that's recorded back in Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. The whole story's there. You can read it on your own. There were 12 that went in. 10 of them saw the land and said, we can't, we can't deal with it. We can't even come close. But two, Joshua and Caleb said, let's take it. We're ready. Well, because of their disobedience, because the people listened to the 10, they wandered for 40 years until that generation died out. Now, Joshua has assumed the mantle of leadership. They are about to go into the land, and God does something incredibly miraculous. (laughs) And really, if you compare it, not quite as miraculous as the crossing of the Red Sea. I mean, after all, it's just the Jordan River. He can put his finger out and just sort of stop it up. But that's exactly what happens. God tells Joshua, you're going to take the people across. You know, be courageous. Don't be afraid. You're going to do it. They're going to follow you. This is what you do. You send the priests down. They put their feet in the water. The waters stop up. The people cross over the Jordan. They build a little, they take 12 stones from each of the 12 tribes. They build a little altar there to remind their children. So they're telling the story all the time. They go over to the land. They camp in a city called Gilgal, which is about mm, maybe five miles, six miles perhaps, northeast of Jericho. Jericho is this this fortress city. It has walls that range anywhere from 18 to 28 feet high. The walls are thick, four to five feet thick. There's actually two sets of walls. There's a protective wall, then there's, a, there's an area of just field for maybe uh, 20 yards, and then another wall that's built around the city, fortified with stone and iron and bronze. This is a tough thing to face. God says, this is where you're going to start. This is where you're going to start, Joshua. You're going to start right here. Now imagine with me, if you will, Joshua standing in front of Jericho thinking, I would imagine, about 40 years earlier. And I wonder what was going through his mind. I mean, if it had been me, I'd have probably been thinking, uh, I'm 40 years older. Uh, We should have done that back then. I don't know what's wrong with these people. But... All we read in these first two verses of chapter 6, it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Now, that's recorded for us. I don't think Joshua knew that. I don't think the people knew that. You see, the word had spread. I don't know if they posted on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. I don't know anything about that stuff. But the word got out in Canaan that these people are tough. And this God, this Yahweh, whoever it is they serve, has done some miraculous things. We better be careful. 
we better lock it down. And so Joshua is faced with this incredible challenge. You know, I don't think any of us face walls that are 28 feet high or four feet thick and built with stone and iron and bronze. There's probably not too many people that are afraid of me or you. But that doesn't mean we don't fight battles. Because every one of us here fights. You may be in the middle of a battle right now. You, you may have just got devastating news of a, of a critical illness or, or, or maybe in a relationship that is being fractured by misunderstanding or intolerance or, or maybe trust has been violated. Someone that you, 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 you trusted, you gave yourself to and, and you really thought that they were the ones who would treasure that confidence. Could be children that have taken a wrong turn. The battles are a variety, but we all face them. We all come up against them just like Joshua and Israel. Battles may be overwhelming, or they may be simple, more of an irritant, but nonetheless, they're still battles. That brings me to the second part, is how we fight those battles. I know how I want to fight those battles, but I'll tell you how I fight those battles. I try to figure out how in the world can I manipulate the circumstances? How can I build around me a, a camp of supporters? How can, I, how can I get the advantage? Let me, let me take you back to Joshua chapter 5. This, is, this is, was fascinating to me. Just the last three verses. It says this, when, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Let me me stop right there, okay? Remember when I said earlier that Joshua was standing there, probably thinking 40 years back? If you've ever done that, if you've ever sort of been reflecting on what has happened in your life, and maybe as just about you're ready to fight that battle and and you're kind of reflecting and almost in in a daydream and you're not noticing anything that's going on around you, that's kind of what's happening here. And he he's, looks up and he sees this man, and I'll spoil it for you. This is, man is a Christophany. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. The reason I know that is later Joshua falls to his knees and worships him, and this man, as it's referred to here, does not reject that worship. Whenever you see encounters of angels before people and people worship them. Look at the book of Revelation. The angel that comes to announce says, no, I am a man like you, stand up, John. In this case, he does not. But I'm ahead of myself. He looks up and he sees a man taking a defensive posture. He's got his sword drawn. 
That's his, and I mean, I kind of laugh at this because Joshua, what's, what's it say? And Joshua went up to him. Now, I don't want to get all that technical, but this structure here is like he went up right in his face. I mean, just got, I, I can't imagine He's got, I don't know if he drew a sword, he had a spear, who knows? He gets right in his face and he says exactly what I would say, are you for me or against me? I mean, right? Isn't that what we do? You on my side or not? Are you on my side? You're on the adversary's side. Whose side are you on? Look at the response. No. <laughs> Now, in the, in the original text, it's a hard stop. In my Bible, it has a, a semicolon there, but it's a hard stop. There's, it's like a delay. Now, he answers reasonably quick, but it's just no. You see, what Joshua was doing is exactly what you and I do from time to time. Is we're trying to find out, do I have the resources to overcome what I am about to face. Whether it's a person, whether it's money, whether it's, you name it, do I have it? And that's what he's asking. Are you on my side or not? And the man says, no. Here's what he's saying to him. Because Joshua is saying, are you for me or against me? And Jesus the Christophany who is standing before him says no because Joshua, you're asking the wrong question. The question that you need to ask, are you on my side or not? You see the difference? You see this, it's just a, it's just a slight little twist because what Joshua is saying, I need you to back me up. I need you to stand behind me as I lead this attack. We do that, I do that. God, I'm facing a difficult thing, I need you. I was praying last night, I prayed diligently for this morning. I, I, I was thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta follow Pastor Joe and Pastor Zach and some guys who can really communicate and I'm just a little weenie. Well, I'm actually a big weenie, but nonetheless. And so, but what am I doing? Well, here's what I'm doing. I'm praying, God, back me up. And it's like God said, Jim, listen to your sermon. Are you on my side? or your side, your own side. Oh, okay. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> See, that's what he's saying. And, and then right away, he's, he says to him, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Wow. I mean, this is the, this is the pre-incarnate Christ who could have called 10,000 angels to destroy those who would come against him. So you think, you think he can't do something powerful here? 
He doesn't expose all that. He says, I'm the commander of the Lord. And then Joshua, right before Joshua speaks, he says, you see that little phrase there? Now I am come. I think right there is the, is the, the turn in this story. I think there were so many things that, that Israel and, and Joshua were doing. And finally, he says, listen, this man, this pre-incarnate Christ says, okay, you've done everything you're supposed to do. You're right in front of the city. And now I have come. Listen to that. Hear it. When you're in the midst of one of the toughest battles of your life, Don't, don't be saying, Lord, are you, are you with me or are you with somebody else? Know that just at that moment, right when you get to the end of your rope, he says, now I have come. And Joshua says, uh, he fell down on his face and worshiped and said, what does, my Lord's, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the army said, take off your shoes. Take, off, take them off because you're on holy ground. You're in the midst of something more powerful than you can ever understand. And sometimes in the very midst of the battle of your life and my life, we have to recognize that we are indeed on holy ground. And to keep our shoes on is foolish. To keep the thing that we think stabilizes us is foolish. That's how we fight. But here's how God fights. And that's what you heard read in Joshua chapter 6. This 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 incredibly strange story. Now, if if you've ever been to... Jericho or seen a, a map, the, the remains of it. It's, again, there is some fascinating detail. No time today, but um, to march around Jericho, how long did that take? Well, it was about a mile and a quarter, maybe some say a mile and a half. So what would that take to march around an hour, hour and a half, depending on your pace? So they get up at Gilgal, they, drive, they, they march down to Jericho, they march around one time with the, the priests blowing their horns. And they do nothing. I can imagine the people in Jericho looking over the walls going, who are these people? I mean, whoa. They do that all the way around and leave. <laughs> I would guess after the first day they're probably going, wow, I guess they're not as tough as we thought. Next day they show up. They do it again. They do that for six days in a row. Now you can do all you want with numerology. You can say, oh, six, one time, okay, six, number of man, seventh day, that's the divine number, seven times around. Don't do that. (laughs) Because I don't think that's the intent here. I think the intent is God's going, listen, it's time to trust me. It's time to obey. It's time to do exactly what I say, even when it sounds silly. So on the seventh day, they march around seven times. The trumpets are blown. The people shout. 
and the walls fall straight down. And it says, and they went up. They fall straight down, which provided a ramp, a, a, a natural ramp for them to go into the city, and they take the city. When God fights your battle, he does it in unique ways. And sometimes the ways that he fights that battle, sometimes the way that he accomplishes victory is not seen clearly. Sometimes the outcome that we long for is not the outcome that he gives. You see, what God is constantly doing in your life and in mine is saying, I am the commander. He's saying to our desire for a particular outcome, no. Let me show you something greater. The Apostle Paul was struggling in Romans chapter 7 with this whole debate about the things I want to do, I don't do, the things I don't do, I, I, I want to do. What is this thing that I'm, I'm going through? And he moves through this argument with himself. And, and theologians like to debate, was that before he became a Christian or after he became a Christian? I don't think it really matters. I think what matters is at the very end of chapter 7 when he says, what, oh, wretched man that I am. You see, that's where we have to come. We have to hear the no of Jesus Hear him say, I am the commander, and hear him say even more assuredly, now I have come. And when Paul cries out, oh, wretched man that I am, who can separate me from this, this body of death? And then he remembers who's fighting the battle. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when he starts chapter eight, he begins, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Listen, you're always gonna fight battles. Jesus himself said it in John 16. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation, right? But then he said, but I, he, Jesus, I've overcome the world. Peter writes later in his first letter when he says, hey, don't, don't be surprised by these fiery trials. It's part of who you are. He's writing to people who are, who are being overwhelmed as they live in Rome by the oppression of the Roman government. You see, what the book of Joshua, what this chapter is teaching us is that the battles will always be there and, and we will default 
often into trying to figure out who's on our side, whether it is God or whether it is the person in the pew in back of us or in the circle group across from us or we'll try to build our camp. And what God says to us, sometimes with a booming voice, other times with softness and a whisper, he said, no, I am the commander and now I have come. That's why the writer of Hebrews would say, listen, run the race with endurance. I don't think I'll do any theological damage if I say fight the battle with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised its shame, and then listen to this, sat down at the right hand of the Father, having completed the work. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he says to you, no, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. If you're a believer, do not forget that he's not on your side, but he wants you on his side. And in that relationship, you have, div- you have won the battle. Pray with me, will you please? Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you that, that you, through your son, Jesus Christ, you have fought the battle. You have won the victory. And so, Lord, we take off our shoes for we are indeed on holy ground. God, I pray that you will speak to hearts today. For those who don't know you, will you draw them to yourself? For those of us who do, cause us to remember that we are to be on your side to do what you say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.